Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, March 23rd, 2016, and today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are currently on page 46, reading the uh, through the first uh, two paragraphs. Uh, today's readers, we have uh, Katie F., uh, Gail T., and I think we'll just get through the, the uh, two. And um, the reference number for yesterday, which was Tuesday, March 22nd, uh, March 22nd, is 8589. That's 8589. Okay, the OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Okay, so I will now ask Martha D. Martha, would you be kind enough to read the 12 steps? Good morning. This is Martha D. from Pennsylvania, a recovering compulsive overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Martha. Appreciate it. So now I will ask uh, Barbara Ann if you'd be kind enough to read the 12 traditions. Barbara? Thank you, Larry. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara Ann, recovering in New York. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first 
Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. (coughs) Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're gonna resume our study of the big book and we are currently on page 46, uh, starting with the first paragraph. It starts, yes, we have agnostic temperament. And then uh, Katie's gonna read through two paragraphs um, and then we're gonna focus our comments on the second paragraph. So Katie, would you take it away? Good morning, this is Katie F, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Yes, we of agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. 
As soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence, a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And again, I'm Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was not agnostic. I would never have said I was agnostic prior to uh, my recovery beginning on October 7th, 1987. But the fact was, I was because I did not believe that God cared about my um, eating problem. I didn't think that um, it was, you know, important enough. And the difference today, um, because I did surrender and ex- and accept the fact that I needed God's help with this um, little problem that was uh, driving me to want to drive off the road and I could not stop eating, um, was that God uh, met me where I was. And God, um, since that time, you know, has done that countless times where I, um, I make the approach and God meets me and in, in the tiniest ways, but it is such evidence that I am not alone anymore. And that is what I felt so much um, when I was in disease. I felt stupid and alone and like, what is wrong with me that I can't get it? And why do I keep picking up the food before I you know, uh, reach out for help and why, you know, when I know how to work this program, I've been in these rooms for six years, I can uh, quote the big book, why can't I get this thing? And God met me where I was. And the difference today is that instead of having these mental blank spots where I forget that God exists and that God is there for me, I am flooded with memories. When I have a crazy thought of this is too hard, why do I have to keep doing this? Why am I too stupid? How can I have this resentment again? Um, Haven't I learned, you know, why do I keep doing these same things over and over again? You know, not with the food today, but with life, with people, with expecting people who are, you know, annoying to be different. And I can start to think, you know, what's wrong with me? This program doesn't work. For a fleeting second, I can think that. And instead of, you know, shoving a row of Girl Scout cookies down my throat, I, um, I am flooded with the memory. Right now, the memory is standing and walking into the grocery store when I got my sponsor and she said, you need a food plan. And I had this list of food that I needed to buy and I bought those foods and only those foods. And I stayed absent until the next day when I called her. And I had never done that before. And I've never had to go back and have that final binge. And, you know, that is God working in my life. And I did not, um, I did not have to, you know, to do some magical thing. Um, God just met me where I am. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Okay, before we open it up for shares, before I take some names, just to uh, remind everyone that um, while you're waiting to share, if you keep your phone uh, muted, we'd appreciate that. 
makes it easier for all of us to hear. So with that, who would like to share? Charles Katie, 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 Okay, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm going to be leaving someone out here. So let me tell you who I have. Um, and then call me with a 10-step turnaround later. Um, okay, so I got old, Char- no laughing there. No, I got Charles up. I got Katie. I got Bella, Leah M, Sally, Melissa, but I know I missed somebody in there. Kim G. T- Tina, Kim, Nessa. Anybody else? Janice B. Janice B. Yes. Okay, got you, Janice. All right, so here's here's our all-star lineup. Charles, Katie, Bella, Leah, Sally, Melissa, Tina. I see Kim, Nessa, Janice B. All right, Chuckles, you're up, Charles. Thank you, Larry, for your service. I love I love when you uh, do your thing on Wednesdays. Uh, Charles H., uh, Recovered Composable Overeater Justice for today. Um, you know, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God, our own conception, our own conception, and that's the key. Like, I, I was reading Tradition 3 in the AA 12 and 12 yesterday, and there was a couple of um, things that, that really touched me. Um, that guy, Ed, you know, the guy that was like, man, oh, we don't need no, you know, we don't need uh, no God stuff and all that. And it was like hearing screeching chalkboard on, on, on the board. Like, and, you know, just like I know I'm pretty sure I, I'm, I, I'm like hearing screeching when I share. I, I know it because I know where I came from, right? And, and even in Virginia, you know, I tell you, when I went to Virginia Beach, the first person I took a picture with was Alice M. And her smile can light up Bangladesh. She's such a beautiful woman. I met Chelsea H. You know, we don't, you know what? Show me your faith. You ain't got to tell me your denomination, right? <laughs> it can't be no lurking motion because I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. Y'all heard the catch-up story. And it's been since uh, that, that, com- that conference, I haven't had catch-up. There's no lurking notions, man. If this program can work for um, anybody, just just have a little bit. Look at this second step promise here. If, if you if you can lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than yourself, you will start to get results. Just right there, ready, set, go. Because um, I, there can't be no lurking notions. I can't be holding on to stuff talking about the twelve step program didn't work. Guess what? It's an open book test. All the answers is in a book. You know, um, I'm going to shut down with this. A wise lady, and I believe she's a visionary, once said this to me. How can you tell an alcoholic is, is lying? Because they're talking. How, how can you tell they're telling the truth? Because they're walking. They're walking this program. And with that, I pass. Thanks. That's a good segue back to me, Charles. Um, <laughs> thanks so much. Okay, we have Katie. Katie, you're up. Hello, Larry. May I be heard? You can. You can. Okay, great. Hang on one second. Yeah, no problem. We can hear you. Okay. Good morning. It's Katie G. Recovered 
<coughs> compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and a couple of things that spoke out to me today. We find that God does not make too hard terms with those who honestly seek him. Seek, seek, seek. It is open, we believe, to all men. And um, I just, and, and that we, we begin to be possessed of God. So, right, there's freedom. Like, okay, KG, you are powerless, right? Got that. And there is a power greater than me. Like, I don't know necessarily what he looks like or whatever, and it doesn't matter. All I know is my way of living my life doesn't work. But I really want to be clear that provided we took simple steps and seeking. And so um, for me, you know, like, I just want to be really clear. Recovered for today, KDG. Like, no, it is very um, clear to me, I have been freed from the bondages of the phenomenon of craving. I do not want the food. That is incredible. I am not obsessed with exercise addiction. But I have to take simple steps, and I have to see God every day. And for me, that means, you know, yesterday um, when um, a coworker is making me crazy, simply by the way she is chewing. Because how does how dare she, right, chew the way she's chewing in KDG's holy presence, right? So immediately, I have a resentment, guys, so I'm blocked off from the power of God, right, because I'm hating God's kids. God didn't say to hate God's kids today, so what do I do? I do a resentment turnaround. Where am I selfish? I want people to realize that they are in KDG's presence, and they should be chewing the way I want them to, you know, and I do the turnaround, and then I throw myself harder into helping others. Like, that is how I seek God, because I might have this beautiful, God-centered, quiet time, but then the minute I go out into the world, I have got to practice these steps every single day. I got to be calling you guys. I got to be sharing what's going on with me and then helping others, right? Because it's death of self for successful living. And if you read step 10, I know we're not on that. Please forgive me. But it says continue, continue, continue. There is not a graduation date. I am not leaving this program. I have no place else to go because just like a toilet, I flush down, right? I'm clean. I'm accessing God. Sorry for the analogy. Don't mean to be offensive. But just like a toilet, I fill back up with selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And the miracle is today, because of the steps, God sits on my tongue. I don't scream and shout. I have integrity with my life, and when I don't, I clean it up really quickly, and I call you guys and get out of myself. So I am so grateful that these steps are not only applicable when in my, you know, nadir of this program, but eat, but today, no matter what, and I'm doing it with you guys. All the best. Thanks, Katie. Okay, we have the beautiful Bella, followed by Leah. Bella, your turn. Thank you very much, Larry. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph, provided we took other simple steps. Yes, thank you, God, that I was able <clears throat> to find the God, to find a higher power, a power that loves me and accepts me. And thank you, God, I don't have any more this willingness to show up and to prove that I am perfect. Yes, I know that it's my own ego to prove and to believe that one day I will be perfect. 
God doesn't want this for me and God doesn't accept, accept, expect for me to be a perfect. And yes, now that I know that God loves me and accepts me the way I am, and yes, now that I know that I have the opportunity to learn new things and to, to, to be able to say I am sorry and to be able to forgive, now I am ready to build up this wonderful relationship, a relationship that, that it's a freedom, a freedom for my own ego. And how can I build this wonderful relationship by taking other simple steps? And yes, thank you, God, that I have the opportunity to learn the steps and to live the steps. And for me, you know, to, to do step four, it wasn't like a punishment. Oh, no, now I will know and I will see how bad I was. No, for me, step four was a cleanup. It wasn't easy. It was painful. But it was a freedom because it wasn't like a way to be punished and a, a way to be judged and blamed. It was a cleanup. It wasn't so easy, but it was a freedom. And when I, I had to give over my character defect to do step six and seven, it was like, that's it. I don't have to be isolated anymore. I don't have to be alone. Today I found the WE program. Yes, we are here together. We all, we are here together. And yes, and when I do a mistake, and when I am, you know, I, I am not all the time the best. And yes, I do mistake. I have my character defects. I have the opportunity to pose and to do, you know, to do my amends and to do the turn around and to be again, to be able to build this wonderful relationship with God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Okay, we have Leah M. and then Sally. Leah? Thank you so much, Larry for your service. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and to affect a contact with him. You know, I've mentioned maybe a couple times that uh, this disease, you know, beat me to a bloody pulp. Um, I was young, but the disease was, uh, you know, just voracious. And uh, the bottom line is that I was overwhelmed and overmatched. And... Uh, you know, God comes in through the wound. <laughs> my way was not working. You know, my, my, my attempts and methods and remedies of handling my disease on my own uh, was only allowing for the disease to progress. Um, when I was approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, they said that their idea of a higher power was working for them. So, you know... My idea was getting me in a locked facility with a plastic wristband around my left arm. <laughs> That's where I was. Um, so the reality was that there were two doors. There was no door number three. Either I continued to try on my own to wrestle out of this obsession of the mind um, and have continued misery and suffering because of compulsive overeating or the misery of abstinence, <laughs> uh, or, or 
I go down this spiritual path. And, you know, as it was explained to me at that time that, Leah, we don't work steps one and two. They are conclusions of the mind that you are drawing based on your experience. And when I look back at my history, I saw that left to my own devices, I could not wrestle out of this illness. And there was no door number three. So, you know, the previous paragraph reminded me all I needed was a willingness to believe. I had no no concept really of God. I was undeveloped in this area, but believing was a choice. Believing was a choice. It was a place to begin even without convictions. And I think the greatest difficulty many of us have with believing is that we want something with more certainty to start with, with more assurance. You know, we expect a faith, you know, before we are willing to believe, and it doesn't have to be that way. Just embark on the program of recovery. Because when I accepted the possibility that there was another way called the 12-step process, and I saw the results from the recovered fellows who cracked open this book and brought it to life, then I permitted my mind to experience this this uh, journey. It was I didn't have to carry this burden of overcoming my illness by myself. The 12-step process brought me into contact with a power greater than myself. I didn't have to understand it. I needed to experience through the working of the steps. So, you know, don't complicate something that doesn't need to be complicated. Just keep moving forward. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we have Sally followed by Melissa. Sally. Thank you, Larry. (laughs) Too funny. Good morning, Vision for You. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, and I would like to chime in here with my experience um, because I think that here we are in the middle of step two, and uh, it really does bring to mind my own fear. Um, What am I going to do here? What are they going to tell me I have to do? And um, let me just turn on this timer here. When we start here with much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. I want to tell you that I had... I had not picked my own sponsor, and that's the first thing I want to say is that for many, many years, for 29 years, that's a lot of years, I always picked my sponsor. And the time that I finally became recovered, here's a miracle, I let God pick my sponsor. And the sponsor that my God gave me was not my religion. And so I was very afraid. What is she going to make me believe? What is she going to try to change in me? And will I still come out, me, when this is over? I mean, look where we're starting from. I'm starting with a person who doesn't share my whole value system, or not necessarily my value system, but certainly my belief system she did not share. And so when it says here, much to our relief, I want to tell you, I I can honestly say to you that I went, I approached this, with fear of what is going to happen when I do this. You know, they're telling me I'm going to have to be willing to listen so I can learn, so I can change. Well, I'm not sure I'm willing to change the way the 12 steps are telling me to change. And, and in all honesty, there are, there are fractions of, of my belief of, of Christianity that believe that the 12 steps, that this is not of God, believe it or not. I myself have been shocked by some of the things that have been presented to me. So much to my relief, I want to tell you that I discovered I did not need to consider or to change 
my belief system. And as it was said earlier, I really believe that there's a God. I had no trouble believing God. What I had belie- trouble believing was that God loved me, that God would help me, and that God would even be part of the equation to this problem. I mean, people are starving all over the world, and I'm coming to God and saying, hey, I'm having a problem. I want to eat the whole house. I don't want to stop eating until the refrigerator is empty. And there was a lot of guilt and shame in my coming to God with this. But guess what? Over and over, it tells us on page 13, on page 57, here on 30, on 46 and on 47, again, right in the middle of the page, on both of these pages, it gives us the same concept. If he does believe or is willing to believe, that's the key word, the willing to believe in a power greater than yourself. If you could believe that your God really does love you, that your God really does mean to do you good, that your God is willing to enter into the simple equation that you need help and that your God is ready to give it to you. It's just that simple. And then we move forward. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thanks, Sally. Okay, we have Melissa followed by Tina. Melissa, your turn. Hi. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa today. I recovered compulsive overeater in New York, and um, yeah, my inadequate um, perception, perception of God um, was sufficient. It is sufficient, and um, that's just, you know, that just throws me, because that's everything. My own inadequacies, whether it's my perception of God or the, you know, as a person, um, it's sufficient. You know, it's, it's good enough. Um, and that, you know, for me, it's been everything. Enough. What is enough? Am I good enough? Do I have enough? And what I had to offer in the way of my perception of God was enough. Um, and, you know, I just love, I love how there's so many different words um, given here for God. But that really does make it broad and roomy and all-inclusive. Because when I started, um, and even sometimes today, God, for whatever reason, that three-letter word um, brings up other stuff for me. It, it, it represents other ideas for me. And that is not sufficient. You know, for me, that's not sufficient. What I needed was to form my own, you know, free-flowing definition of a power that could save me from this. And, um, you know, and so when I think about... Um, the obstacles that I had or the block that I had needing to somehow have a really clear definition of what God or my higher power or the spirit of the universe is before I can utilize it, um, that really was a block. Um, Because it doesn't say here that you need to know 100% without, you know, without any doubt what this higher power is um, in order to gain access to it. You know, and I love um, how it was explained to me with um, electricity, you know, the power in my house. I don't have to understand it to use it. And the other thing is that I could still be angry with God and make conscious contact. I could still reach out. God was big enough, my higher power was big enough to allow me to feel my anger, you know, and just like my car might not start one day, I might be pissed off at my car, but I do believe 
that if I put the key in the ignition, you know, it, it does work most of the time. So I don't have to throw out everything because I have a little bit of um, hurt and set, you know, feeling. God was big enough and is big enough for that. Thank you. That I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, we have Tina followed by Kim. Tina, you're up. Thanks, Larry, uh, for your service. Tina has compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Well, I heard some really good things this morning. Real grateful. And, you know, I real, I love this paragraph, you know, much to our relief, you know. Um, I can choose my own conception, my own idea of God or power greater than myself. And, and I like what it says also. It says, you know, as soon as we admitted the possible existence, as soon as I admitted there was something bigger than me, and that, let me just tell you, took quite a while, then, then I had a shot. And then, then it says that I could start right where I was. So I didn't have to be anywhere else. I always thought I could be someplace else. I could just be who I was, you know. And and it talks about this, you know, a few simple steps. You know, for me, that few simple steps are the twelve steps. You know, because I I was transformed by those simple steps. And, and you know, and it doesn't say anything about finding God. You know, and I remember that because I I read seek as find. So therefore, you know, I didn't find a God, so I wasn't eligible. Well, the truth of the matter is, I just had to earnestly seek. And through the process and the spiritual growth, you know, I continually enlarge my God because when shit happens, he's not big enough. And, um, you know, again, I just have to, you know, reiterate that, you know, I just love this meeting. I love everything that I hear that's shared and with that I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina. Okay, we got Kim followed by Nessa. Hi, Kim. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, well, Bill really tries hard not to repeat words. He'll use different words for different, you know, for the same concept. In this paragraph, I see he uses the same word twice. I always pay attention when Bill does that. So it says, for those who seek him, and then two lines later, it says, for those who earnestly seek him. So that's my job. I have to seek this power. I have to seek this solution. And when is that going to happen? When am I going to find this power? It's provided we took simple steps. So we're going to have to do some work here. You know, I remember so often sitting in a meeting and people would say, well, don't leave till the miracle happens. Let me tell you, you can sit in the meetings of Overeaters Anonymous for decades. I know I did. And nothing is going to happen unless you take action. Meetings don't treat alcoholism. Meetings don't treat compulsive overeating. Hopefully, if a meeting is healthy, it exposes you to the directions that you need to do if you want to get freedom. I mean, I love a vision for you. We have 300 people on the line who listen pretty much live. We have 2,200 people on our member list. And from what I hear, we get like 2,000 hits on our website. Does that mean all those people recover? No. Why? Because are they seeking them or are they hoping to get it through osmosis? I don't know about you, but I thought maybe if I put my big book under my pillow, maybe through the night I would just get recovered. So I had to look in this chapter, what are some of my prejudices? You know, one of the things that makes the hair in the back of my neck stand up is when someone, I ask someone where they are in their step work, and they say, oh, I did the steps last year. I did it two years ago. The steps never finish. I have to seek the solution daily. I don't know about you guys, but I never woke up on, say, it's Wednesday morning and woke up today and binged my brains out on Tuesday and thought, I'm good till Friday. No reason to binge today. I had to seek that ease and comfort on a daily basis. 
Yet so many of us, we go through this work and then we get up on a, on a Wednesday morning, yeah, I did my, my step work yesterday. I'm good till Friday. It's the same exact thing. You know, I have this twofold illness. I have this allergy. Abstinence will take care of that. If that was my only problem, I wouldn't need anything else. But I have this mind, this mental twist. And when I, how I seek to get rid of that mental twist is I do four through nine to get clear so I can find this power. But I will have to use 10 and 11 if I want to stay clear. Because I don't know about you, but my mind, I'm like Cinderella. At midnight, that carriage turns into a pumpkin. Those horses turn into mice. And I am that, that girl in the, in the rag dress every morning when I wake up. So I have to treat that mental twist on a daily basis. That's why this program is one day at a time. It's not one day at a time, white knuckling your food, which is what I thought. It's one day at a time. We have this solution. We get recovered, and we continue to have that on a daily basis if we continue to seek him on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. Okay, we have Nessa next, followed by Janice B. Nessa, it's your turn. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. My name is Nessa R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I came into the rooms of OA in January of 2013. I came in uh, beaten, demoralized, distraught, afraid for my health, afraid for my life, uh, about 70 pounds overweight, hopeless, totally out of ideas. I had tried anything and everything I could possibly think of. Um, um, expensive treatment, inexpensive treatment, um, anything except a surgical solution, um, quote-unquote solution, and nothing worked. Uh, nothing, nothing worked. The only thing my husband and I ever thought about was my weight and my eating. Um, I was a mess when I came in. And, you know, I came into a way, found out I have a disease. I did what I was told. I got a sponsor, I went to meetings, I read literature, I journaled, I had a checklist body, um, I did 30 in 30 uh, meetings, 30 meetings in 30 days one time, um, and for nine years, nothing much changed, nothing much changed. And there's one word in this paragraph that we read holds the key to my own recovery, which, by the grace of God, uh, started um, uh, about, I don't know, four years and a bit, um, when I took a new sponsor about five years ago, and she took me to the big book, and the word here is provided. Provided we took other simple steps, and those other simple steps are steps three to 12, and that was the one thing I wasn't told um, to do, and it was the one thing I, of course, didn't know, because do I know what I don't know? Uh, thank God that I found my sponsors, and God took me through the big book because those um, other simple steps that have helped me uh, recover and stay recovered. Um, she took me through steps um, three to nine um, fairly quickly, and I have lived in steps 10, 11, and 12 one day at a time since then to stay recovered. Um, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a small proviso, but it's the, the most important proviso. Just, just believing that I am powerless and believing that I need the power and believing in God and believing that God can and will restore me to sanity is not enough. You know, 
uh, it is not enough because at that point I am so blocked from God. I need that power to work in my life. I need access to that power. And I wasn't told, I wasn't taught, how do I gain access to that power? And it's all described in this sentence, which is the key to my recovery, provided we took other simple steps. And in, in my case, I think everyone's case, provided we continue taking other simple steps one day at a time for the rest of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Nessa. Okay, we have Janice B, and then Gail is going to regale us with more big books. So, Janice, you're up. Thank you, Larry. This is Janice B, Recovered Compulsive Overreader in Vermont. Grateful to be here and grateful to be sharing. Um, okay, so um, here, um, I had been in and out of OA for over 25 years, and I reached such a low point about five years ago that um, that I knew, like, self-reliance had failed me. You know, what I had been doing didn't work. And um, and I, I admitted that I was powerless and I was willing to do whatever, whatever. And I heard the message of the big book and so grateful. And it wasn't the tools, it was the steps. And, um, and so... Um, so step one, I'm powerless. Step two um, is uh, came to believe and um, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, so self-reliance failed me and then I found in, in step two that self-centeredness had failed me also. That, um, that when I was thinking of myself, then um, then I was not connected with people and with my higher power, and things didn't go um, how I how like my life was a mess, and um, I didn't want to live that way anymore. So um, so if we those who earnestly seek, and so I, I, I found a spot. I didn't find the sponsor. A sponsor was given to me, um, and I, I listened, and, um, and followed directions. And um, when, what, what I have, um, you know, I'm still self-centered. And um, it's not a surprise, you know, when when a thought comes up about wanting something um, or I get disturbed, I can say, there it is again, and um, not be surprised and pause and ask for help. And um, it's in the pausing and asking for help and surrendering and paying attention and and acting differently that I begin to 
trust and believe in a higher power that I don't understand and that that's okay that I don't understand. But um, it's it's through taking actions that um, and having the experience of doing things differently and opposite of how I used to do them that brings me closer to my higher power. And um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Okay, Gail, would you pick up, we're on page 47, the first paragraph, just the one paragraph. Gail? Yes. Thank you, Larry, for your service. This is Gail T. from Texas. When therefore we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At, that, at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we understood him. Afterward, we, would, we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. This is such a beautiful paragraph for, for me to read because it said, start with your own conception of God. Well, I didn't have, I had a conception of God, but that God, how I conceived it, was not meaningful to me. And I had a problem here because when I would binge, I would binge or I would graze. And I had a problem that I could not willfully take care of. So when I started coming into Vision for You and listening to the recovered people, I mean, I've always had a good food program, but I wasn't recovered. And I started listening to people. I said, well, I'm going to give it over. I know I'm powerless over this, so I'm going to give it over. Well, there were many times I wanted to give over my food compulsion, but I was never, ever rescued by God or my, what I would call my protectors. And, and then when I started working the program, because it is a program of action, and really it's not about food, it's just putting the food down with a good food program, that we start learning what's driving us to eat. And with that, then my recovery started happening with the help of this new God that I found. And my protectors kicked in because, frankly, my protectors didn't care if I were fat. What they cared about and what God really cares about is how to clean up my life so that I'm of service to all. And so what I want to say, they say, start with your own conception of God and allow that to grow. Well, my conception, or my, not, it's not even a conception, my experience in Vision for You is that there is, a lot of help, uh, there is a lot of help out there on the invisible level that we can universally call God or other, other words, but it's out there if we clean up our lives, and that's what the 12 steps are about. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Gail. I think we have time for about three shares or so. Uh, who would like to share on what was read? 
Lisa G. Okay, I got here's what I, I heard Monica, Renata, and Lisa. Let's try to go with that. Uh, Monica, you're Good up. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater here in Florida. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception, your own idea, your own thought, your own decision. What do you need? What qualities or attributes do you need this God to have? This applies, too, to other spiritual expressions, which you find in this book. And here we go again, a little more set-aside wording here. Do not let any prejudice, any old ideas you may have against spiritual terms deter you, discourage you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. And then it goes on to say, at the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation with God. So what I'm understanding here is, all right, Monica, all you need is some willingness to start thinking up your own conception of God. And when you do this, you have made a conscious contact with God. You're thinking about it. How simple is that? You know, I just wanted to complicate everything, and I wanted to be able to understand what this God is. I want to see this God. I want to feel this God. I want to da-da-da-da-da. And none of that was happening. But just being able to think about it and come up with my own conception, my own idea. What, do I, what did I need God to be for me? I wanted, you know, I needed a God that loved me, that would be with me no matter what I said or did or do. You know, and I had my own little list of things that I came up with. And you know how that helped? That was my conception. So it made it easier for me to continue to lean into the rest of the steps here and do the work. And as a result, you know, the purpose of this book is to get us in contact with God. The purpose of the steps is to get us in contact with a higher power. And then he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And it's called working the steps. You know, I got to do that work. Start with willingness and then do it. Even if I don't believe, I don't know, I don't understand, it worked for me. And it worked for hundreds of others. And with that, I passed. Thanks, Monica. We're going to have Renata, and then Lisa's going to wrap it up. Renata, your turn. Hi, Larry. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, calling from Brazil today. Um, so it says here, do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. And, you know, uh, some of my prejudices were that I, I needed to to be perfect. I needed to get rid of all my you know, selfishness and self-centeredness, my guilt, my shame, so then I could go to a higher power. And, you know, it said on, on a previous paragraph, and then on this one, they mentioned things like, you know, my conception can be inadequate, it can be limited, and that's how I felt. And so I thought, you know, like the first reader mentioned, like, then my higher power wouldn't care. He now like wouldn't be worried about my problems, my little world, and these were some you know prejudice that I needed to let go of, and because it says here, so we used our own conception, however limited it was, 
the thing is, if I really admit it in step one, that I'm 100% powerless over food, and then my life has become unmanageable, meaning me playing higher power, right? Me playing God was not working. So whatever else I could come up with that was not me, not human, would be better. And that's what I had to do. And, you know, like Monica was sharing, just like work the steps and, you know, just not, you know, when I worked the steps, I I believed what the recovered people were telling me. I didn't know for sure if it would work for me, but I took the actions. I took the actions because whatever I was doing before was not working. Me being higher power was definitely not working. And so... I had to take the risk of taking some actions and maybe, well, maybe it wouldn't work. I don't know, but it did. You know, when I um, put myself through the work that everyone else told me it worked for them, it worked for me too. So I think that's the message here. Like, don't get hung up on this definition, idea, you know, what it looks like, what do you call it? Just, you know, let go of, I need to be perfect. I need to solve my problems so then I can go to God. Well, then I don't need God. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Renata. Lisa, your turn. Thank you, Larry. This is Lisa, uh, recovering compulsive overeater in California. I really liked what it had to say about, you know, whatever my conception of a higher power is, All I need to do is be in contact with it and work with it. And uh, the last time I worked the steps with with Monica, my higher power was God, and it changed during that period of working the 12 steps to God is. And uh, this time around, it's totally different. It's, It's not a human divine entity or deity. It's just an energy, a love energy. And, you know, as my spiritual growth uh, continues, it's just morphing into more of an honest and truthful identification than I ever had before. And this is what I actually understand. And it's the, uh, it's the energy that cannot be created and cannot be destroyed. It only transforms from one form to another. And basically that's what the steps did for me. It transformed my thinking, it transformed my motives, it transformed my intentions, and it transformed my actions. And that's how change occurred, not from anything inside of me, but it is inside of everything else. And it was me against everything else, and I just couldn't live that way anymore. So when I got in contact with that love energy and became connected to everything in this in this dimension in this plane it was amazingly freeing and it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me and you know i i really i really think that the book is true here it doesn't matter what it's called it doesn't matter only ma- only matter in the situation is whether or not it works and um I know that my recovery is contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual program and it did morph and it did it did change for me and it was able to 
continue in that in that venue. Otherwise, I would have been stuck in more dishonesty. So thank you again for the reading. Thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thanks, Janice, and thank you to everyone who has shared, and uh, in particular, thanks to uh, to, to the readers. Um, thanks to Martha D. and Barbara N., and Katie and Gail, thank you so much um, for your help. And now we are going to uh, move on to the page 164. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. So now we'll close with the reading as we do from, from the big book on page 164. Julie R., are you available to read that for us this morning? I am. Thank you, Larry. Thanks. Hi, this is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass.